like twin sons on a womp rat's tail welcome back to the tumbling saber podcast everybody i'm kyle i'm carlos and i'm rick and this week we are you know we don't have a ton to talk about but welcome back everybody um but I, you know what i feel like we're gonna tumble down some rabbit holes this week and we do have uh the mandalorian gallery episode to discuss and i'm sure there's lots to get into there but oh, otherwise yeah. there's i don't know I really don't know what, what what's going to come out of our mouths this week. But first, first, you guys didn't hear the pre the pre record. Holy cow! For those people who liked their sis disturbers blue, you missed something. <laughs> oh God! Cheers, everybody! Cheers! And cheers yep. to Carlos we, we... for another successful trip around the sun. Happy birthday, buddy! Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Happy birthday, Carlos! You know, I, I I do want to say though, Canadian birthdays count for eighty percent, like against American <laughs> birthdays. So seventy four. You know, yeah, but they're I'm, more well liked. I was rounding up for you. Thank you. They're more they're more well liked globally though, Rick. <laughs> yeah, we wear our we wear our birthdays on our backpacks, not to get <laughs> eggs thrown at us. I will not take this slander. <laughs> you have no choice. It is what anyway. it is. Anyway. Happy birthday, butthole. Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now everybody gets to listen to 340-somethings talk about movies for 12-year-olds. Oh, wow. What <laughs> life choices we've all made. There's only one person that might regret this show, and it's the one recording it. Oh, <laughs> oh what can go wrong? Nothing. We're talking about Star Wars, guys. It's all good. Uh, what do we normally do off the top? Yeah, we talk about collecting. That's what we do. Um, How many glasses of wine have we had tonight? Have we coll- have we collected drinks tonight, Carlos, think, for your birthday? I think collectively we may have had six, considering I know that I've had six. So <laughs> uh, I think that's how math works. Uh, you guys let me know if the math works out. Is I it usually- Stu's birthday too? Remember when Stu turned 50? No, oh, but geez. we got to give a shout out to Stu. He is he's going through th- some stuff right now over there in the UK in the hospital. He is uh, being taken care of by the NHS, and we do we wish Stu well. We know he's going to battle through, and he's going to come out on the other end. But hopefully, this podcast finds his way into his ear holes while he's uh, convalescing. But uh, I love you, Stu, Stu, we are we behind love you, sir. Stu so much. Stu's one of the best. Absolutely, he's and he's been. I think he's been with us since like the very beginning, single digit episodes. He has suffered through us for <laughs> two hundred and seventy five <laughs> episodes or so. Since nineteen thirty four, Stu has been there. <laughs> there it is, T Public. Was... Since nineteen thirty four. Oh my god, that that's a great T shirt, dude. <laughs> it's like totally makes no sense, and it's <laughs> awesome. That's kind of tumbling saber in a nutshell. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, I you know, I, I did yeah. something on, on all the merch that I used to make over at Public. whether it was a mug or a t-shirt or even like when I, when we used to do prizes and I would send out like a, a, a box, I would have the return address as a one of those 80 or uh, Avery 30 up labels. You know, they had, you know, those standard like three by one inch, but every, sure. every unique tumbling saber item beneath it, I had like you know, the, the, all the t-shirts said like the t-shirt awakens the mug awakens it was a very space balls joke like a merchandising merchandising type of joke so yeah. every item had that on it <laughs> and nobody ever noticed or or just didn't find it funny enough to comment which i noticed which mortally wounds me 
<laughs> well, when, when I got my shirt from T Public, it it wasn't on there, so that kind of bothers me. Well, you got the special edition one then. I did. So yeah. now I feel better about myself. As you should. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So Rick, I know that uh, right now you're kind of in a state <clears throat> as well. You are. In, in a lot of cardboard right now. Yeah, you know, this is something that, I mean, we haven't really talked about publicly, um, but... Uh, oh, Rick, oh. you heard the chime. It's time to turn the page. I, I, you know what? That means Beautiful. your time is up, and we're going to go to Carlos now. <laughs> oh, okay, go ahead. Carlos, how are you, bud? Hi, how about you? <laughs> I'm kidding. Everybody gets their turn. Um... Damn, I, I thought the chime really meant something. I don't know. I feel um, like it's Christmas time because I'm really warm right now. <laughs> um, but not to uh, to bring it back down to earth for for just a second. I, I haven't talked about this openly except for with uh, a small handful of people. But um, myself and my family we're planning a move um, in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're going to be leaving the Chicago area, and we're going to be moving. Uh, a little too close to comfort to uh, to Canada, but we're going to be moving closer to the Detroit, Michigan area. Oh. Um, so by the end of the month, we'll be uh, spitting distance from uh, what is it, Windsor, right over the river from uh, from right. Detroit. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, very long story, but I won't go into it right now. But we've um, recently discovered a whole slew of family in that area, and. Um, yeah, we, we were ready for a change. So in the next couple of weeks, we will be away from um, Chicago and, you know, things are in boxes and this place is a mess and it's chaotic. And I'm honest, I'm going to be straight, Kyle, like when you were like, hey, you know, can you can you come on? I was like, man, I need a break. Like I let me channel my the chaos that is my life into this godforsaken show. And I'm so glad it <laughs> happened on that Budhead's birthday because <laughs> I need some parallel chaos like through the show. So like, yeah, th th this is pretty good. But uh, but hey, anybody who's listening, keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody that we're moving. And uh, we'll, we'll see if the word gets out. But it, but if you are listening, I want you to shout it out too. So keep it a secret, but say it really loud. So caps lock on your Twitter and stuff. So <laughs> there's not nothing confusing, confusing about any of that. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I have a question. Now, yeah. I, I, I had been planning... I'm going to Chicago next summer uh, to watch a to watch a, a Cubbies game. Like, okay. are you still gonna are you gonna come with me? I would absolutely uh, meet you there, but you'll have to pick me up on the way. We could do that. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm down. I'm nice. done. I I got friends that work at Wrigley Field. I got friends that work in the front office for the Cubs. I don't want to talk about what's happening with the Cubs right now, but um, I don't even care yeah. if they're good or not. Like, I, I honestly, I haven't. Oh, been, no. I haven't been focusing on that at all, but it for me it's just like it's like a bucket list thing, and uh, I'm I'm I don't I don't even know how it's going to compare to Fenway, uh, like for me personally, but it's still like something I want to scratch off my list, and obviously I want to fuck out. Sorry, I want to hang out with you, man. Absolutely, man. By by be, before your fiftieth um, birthday, we, we need to make that happen. <laughs> no, 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 next <laughs> summer, next summer for sure. Yeah, let me know, man. I'm down. I'm totally down. Nice. So that being the case, Rick, I, I'm gonna guess mm -hmm. that your collecting game is uh, is on ice for now. Um, 
Yeah, you know, it, it came up in the group last week. We were talking about pre-orders, and and I it was something that I mentioned it to Nathan. Like, you know, I've got a couple of pre-orders that I'm still waiting for. Oh, it was because those the uh, like the the Legends like book series, Black Series uh, figures. You know, with the Jackson and Darth Maul and Luganet. Uh, he saw those on his shelf, and I was like, man, like my my pre-order still. I'm still waiting for it, and I got an email a couple of days ago that like. Like, damn, like there's another entertainment earth sends me this email. Like, oh, your order's still coming. Should be there by December. And it's that, uh, the black series Rex. I completely forgot. I, I put in the order for it. Nice. Um, but now I have to put in the change of address for that. But as far like any collecting, it's just been like, I, I might be, and we talked about this last time I was on Kyle, like I might be done with black series if pricing stays the, the way that it is. Like I, I'm having a hard time like justifying value for for what they're giving us. I, I love them. I love what I have, but I don't know if I want to buy any more, especially since you know, considering that I've gotten more into uh, like book collecting and mm-hmm. you know, like you know, the the buying the the out of print editions of the High Republic books. You know, they're fifty bucks a piece, but they're signed, they're numbered. You know, you get some extra goodies with those. I did get the Goldsboro version of <clears throat> Light of the Jedi, which I think. American came out to 40 something dollars plus the shipping from the UK. Um, so I'm, I'm happier with that than, um, buying toys as it were. So like, you know, I, and you know, having books too, it's like, it's something that my son sees and it's like, you know, well, hell like, like dad's reading all of these things. I want to read my own stuff. So it's like, there's something, that kind of translates over to him and he knows that he can read any one of my books anytime that he wants to, instead of just like, dad's got this room full of toys that I can't touch. I can't even go in there. Like, that's not fun for him. I'd rather have something that he's more, I mm. uh, can be more engaged in, and books are kind of the way to do that. Even though he knows he better not put his grimy little mitts on any of my vintage stuff. From cool. that day, or I will, I will send him your way to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make him shovel snow for nine months in Canada a year. Oh, like he doesn't shovel snow in Illinois or Michigan. Like, nope, because we've lived in apartments. Are he is home? Oh yeah, because we only have igloos here. No apartments in Canada. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a professional igloo maker in Canada for nine nice. months. Yeah, but yeah, that's about it for me. So, I hear you there with the with the Black Series stuff. Every you know, every time I I think about them, <clears throat> I you know I love them as you do. They're they're great. But with the rising price tag, it's getting harder to justify any of it. Um, so yeah, I feel like at, at best, it's going to be highly selective going forward for me. Really, really choosy. But that said, we know we saw that wave that's coming later this year or early 2022. With It's like six must-have figures in that set. I was like, oh, come on, man. So really going to have to get down to it. We, we, we talked about it last week, I think. But really, the Bill Burr I- figure... Is a must. Yep. I don't even listen. I I love Bill Burr. He's he he did a, a I think it was like a podcast or something about his experience at one of the bars that I know the owners of and I worked at at one time here in Chicago called Liars Club, and you can type in Bill Burr Liars Club on like YouTube whatever you hear the clip of how insane that night was for him. But I still like I love the guy, but I don't know if I need to shell out the money for that black series figure it'd be hilarious to have because it's it's bill burr and star wars but i don't know if i need it i think of that wave i I, there's supposed to be an omega in that wave right and like bib fortuna 
Um, I think Bib Fortuna and I think there's also like General Lando in that wave too, if I'm not mistaken. And those might be the only ones that I really want. I think General Lando's already wave. out. Well, if he's out, somebody needs to buy him for me because we're planning a move and I don't really have the money for Black Series figures right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, who does? Oh, God. Um, yeah, and Carlos, I think you've been pretty locked down for a while now with, in terms of the Lego stuff. Has that changed in the last week? Uh, no, it hasn't changed. I've actually made a decision um, as far as what I'm going to be getting rid of. So of my new sets, I have... The Darth Vader helmet and the and the the Scout Trooper helmet that I never built, uh, so they're new in box. I'm getting rid of those. Uh, I'm getting rid of the uh, the Porg, like I mentioned. I'm getting rid of my whole pole shrine. Wow! So all the yeah, the two X wings, uh, Black Series six inch, Black Series uh, three and a quarter, uh, the Hasbro three and three quarter. Um, did I say three and a quarter? Three and three quarter uh, for the Black Series, the smaller one. Uh, the, the Toys R Us exclusive helmet for Poe. Uh, so, so the whole Poe shrine is going. And um, did, did you ever get the? Um, the I didn't get the Black Series. Oh no, what? the Resistance Poe. Uh, so the, you mean with the blue the and white helmet? Three, no, it was the Resistance uh, three and three quarter from the from the animated show. No, 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 I didn't get that one. I didn't get that one. Oh, okay. Well, fake fans abound. So. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, yeah. today, today, as we're recording, is remembering Resistance Day, and I mean, you know, us real fans know that, Carlos, birthday boy. Yeah, I've been too busy. I've uh, today was ignoring, not the day for me to uh, ignoring to... Resistance. Yeah, like uh, I would say, ninety-six percent of fans. So uh, you know, I don't feel huh? I don't feel lonely. Hey, well, check it out. Four four of us are hashtag real friend, uh, real fans, and my hashtag real friends too. So, well, I only got like halfway through the entire series. I I think I stopped like four or five episodes well, into only, season two. Well, there's only two seasons, Kyle. So it's either halfway or it's not. It was only one season or two. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we we started season two and then just fell off. Got bored of it. You're mi- you're miss you're missing out. It's much better than the Bad Batch. crickets just letting that hang there for a sec you you know what you can and i will say it season one of resistance was better than season one of six, bad batch? yeah the, so? the 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 six episodes uh, that were good for season one of bad batch were that it would have been better than the first season of resistance but the 16 episodes of the entire first season yeah I why do I why it. do I feel like you're doing this just to push buttons? <laughs> because because that's buttons what you're doing. were made. Okay, cool. Button, <laughs> buttons were made for a reason. <laughs> All right. Hey, you do you, man. And, and listen, anybody if anybody disagrees with me, send all of your opinions to chop rules with a Z. Mm-hmm. And let me know what you think. I swear to God, like I want to know. A bad Batch for me was not the greatest thing in the world. It looked cool. It definitely wasn't I've the greatest said, thing. No. I've said th- I've said this to some other people behind the scenes, like through text and stuff, that I'm not going to say any names, that it was like a Macy's store window with a dollar store interior. Ouchie. There wasn't much there. 
That's a lot of flaming going on. Wow. Yeah. Chop rules with a Z. Hit me up. <laughs> In the group or the DMs. Wherever you want. Yell it out your window. Canada's not that big. Somebody, somebody's going to hear you. The wind. The wind carries the negativity right across the country. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> anyway, so that that's it. Yeah, I'm getting rid of that stuff. Fake fan or not. Um, everything that... Uh, and there's going to be others. Probably I'm going to go through a little bit of my... Uh, my parted out collection and see if I can... Whatever I have in box, like whatever whatever boxes I I I, I have like kept, uh, I'm gonna go through those boxes and see what I can uh, what I can get rid of. That's the way to do it. Yeah, no Lean choice. It out. Well, no, I have a choice. Just uh, yeah, I need to weed some stuff out, man. There's just way too much stuff. Wow. The more I look at it, like I literally, guys, I've been saving all my Amazon boxes uh, for, I would say, for the last six months. I've been I've been saving all the Amazon boxes from all my orders, and um, because I, I I'm gonna use them, I'm gonna repackage them to like send out my vinyl and stuff. So I you know try to save save money on boxes and stuff uh, you know going forward. And I moved all my boxes, and there was a huge Lego bag <laughs> with unopened stuff that I didn't <laughs> even know was there. <laughs> Oh man! So I have the the Tatooine diorama, the uh, May the Fourth uh, promo, um, and uh, a couple of other sets too that uh, <laughs> that that are going to be on that list. So maybe check out Facebook Marketplace if you're in the uh, Montreal area and uh, <laughs> see if uh, there's something that you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, speaking of uh, the Bad Batch. I did score a figure finally from that wave, and it's one of my white whales, man. It's the it's the uh, the Rex figure. I finally have a Black Series Rex figure, and I am with, blown with the away. hood in full armor. Yeah, man. Finally got I mean, this damn wait, thing. Way to stay incognito, Rex. <laughs> it was dusty. He was kind of camouflaged. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I I I am so happy to finally have this thing. Like I've I've never seen a Rex figure in person. I don't think, and one th- and again the power of 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 you know being part of a community, it paid off again. Where I was able to get my hands on uh, on this figure, which I honestly had given up on. I did not think this would happen, but it did, and here we are. And Corey's going to be so mad when he finds out I have one, and he does not. Who? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, is my head playing tricks on me again inventing personalities but yeah um, collecting the last couple weeks have been positive for me but it's not it's you know it's definitely not the volume of activity that 2021 had or 2020 had so uh, Kyle I kind of like that I'm I'm sorry but can you are, are you buying books or comics like are you attempting to keep up because you know Things I, are happening. Things are shaking right now. I have not read like I've I've sort of packed it in with um, uh, Rising Storm because I was reading like two three pages at a time and just not getting into the rhythm and flow of the story. So I was like, you know what, I'm I'm stopping this for now. And when I'm when when the summer ends and I'm not running three four five nights a week for baseball and softball, I will have more time and energy to myself to just read and get into a flow. Listen. Of it. I don't know what those two things are that you just named, 
But if you're not reading The Rising Storm, I, I don't even know why you have a podcast, Kyle. Well, and that, well, that's it, because everything that I've heard about it has been just over the top great. And I want to be part of that. <laughs> so I, there's I a like- whole, but there's a whole other way you can experience that where you can read with your ears. Have you heard about this thing? Yeah. It's, it's called Audible. Yeah. Not for me. I tried it. I, I just, <sighs> you know, the only time I can do Audible is at work, but I'm busy. I'm working. So my brain is not absorbing. I, yeah, I gave it a try. So I, you- gave it, I gave it an honest shot listening to audiobooks, and I just couldn't get into it. So you, you have a job that's actually like mentally engaging and it's not the drone work that the rest of us do. Yeah, it's particularly the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all new, it's still relatively new. It's you know, six months into this new gig and some I, things are, are... I, I feel sorry. I, I feel sorry for you. I really do. <laughs> Don't. I'm sorry. I, I've landed I'm, in a pretty I'm, good spot. I'm doing all right. Um, I mean, good for you. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it's fine and all, but I mean, it still sucks that you're not, you know, a, you know, a real fan like the rest of us, <laughs> except for Carlos. He's, he's not a real fan either. I mean, what, who, who is a real fan, Rick? We're all fake. You just said it. You just, that was a period. And then you said my name. That wasn't a comma. <laughs> well, in Canada, periods and commas are interchangeable. Listen, I don't even know where that is. Oh, okay. Well, when that Look breeze up. blows down in mid-November from the north. You all know. you have to do is, you know, when, when the, uh, when you see the list of the happiness index, and where you are on the list, look up, you'll find Canada. <laughs> yeah, but Jen Erso also said, like, you know, your life will be Ooh, better. Oh, fictional characters. Don't look up. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? She's she's a lot better than um, some of my some of my real peoples. So, uh, Liana Halleck, we hardly knew you. If oh. that is her real name, one never knows. Only a real fan would know. Not me. I I should I I should ask you guys. We're fake fans. We don't know anything. I told you, Kyle. That, listen, I'm putting this on the pub. I I came here to drop the hammer on Canada. <laughs> Get ready. Well, you're picking the wrong fight, there, huh? I am not messing around. <laughs> no, there's no light episodes. Birthdays or not, Candido. I ain't scared of you. Six three. Psh. Six four. Nope. Six three. <laughs> You're exaggerating. I lost. I lost an inch. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's not how that works. Well, you're, you're probably six six four in the mornings, and you're six three by the end of the day. You that's, know what? That's, that's actually quite accurate. It is. There is comp- there is spine spinal compression to take into consideration. And you shrink, and you and you shrink as you get older. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. he that was seven seven comes a permanent. couple months ago. <laughs> No, no, I would no. Hey, that's the, that's the inverse of the question I asked last week. You could be in Star Wars, but now you got to be a foot, instead of a foot shorter, you're a foot taller. Wow, that's different. For anybody who's not in the Facebook group, I that's where I laid my opinions bare, and you need to be in the group to know that. I'm not going to say it here, but you guys know how I felt about that. So legends come in many sizes. Hashtag. Meeper Gascon, yeah. real heroes. That's what short people say. You know what? That's what that's what your mama says. <laughs> <laughs> She's five four, so yeah, she probably does. She kick your ass in a heartbeat too. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Not for thirty years. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Challenge her now. See what she does. She'll she'll be throwing chanclas around the room at you. 
chunk was. <laughs> That's like wooden slippers for everybody else. <laughs> oh, man. This is fun. Oh, I'm well, sweating, boys. <laughs> still, still, still feeling kind of warm over there? Like Christmas it's the wine, warm? dude. There you go. Red? Yeah. yeah. Nice wine. Well, nice red. Always, always red. Always red. So anyway, th- talking about books and Audible, Carlos, <clears throat> earlier in the week in the Facebook group, you Correct. had solicited some advice from from us in the group on best on how to best use your Audible credits. Like you, you had a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, have you settled on anything? Yeah, I settled on Dooku Jedi Lost. I settled on Master and Apprentice. I settled on Catalyst. Uh, and I'm still up in the air with the uh, the other three credits. Apparently, I'm not allowed transferring my credits to other people, which is sucky because I wanted to give one of my credits to Dave Donovan. I'm sorry, David. I, I actually looked into it. And you, you can't. There, there is a way to gift people credits. I've, I've done it before with Pete on GM uh, Transmissions. Really? There's way, yeah, there's, there's totally a way to do that where, where you can gift uh, books to people. You give the book or the credit itself? The book. You ask them what book they want, and then you can you you basically give the credit through through the book that way. So, oh okay. Oh well, yeah. okay. I wasn't told that, but uh, maybe that's just in the U.S. I don't know. We'll see. That's why uh, we're kind of better at things. Uh, I'll, I'll keep uh, I'll keep looking, Dave. And if anything, I'll, I'll I'll send you one of those credits. One of the one of those six is is up for <clears> you. <throat> And you know, it's with Audible. There's a new audio drama coming out uh, this week. Tempest Runner comes out Tuesday, which I should be if schedules hold. Probably when this episode is dropping, I will uh, not be listening back to this episode. I'll be I'll be listening to Tempest Runner first thing Tuesday morning. Well, good for you. Thanks you know for what? Good that's for what, you. That's what I do. <laughs> I ignore you guys until it's absolutely necessary. But you guys like James Lucino, right? Like he he does a good job writing. Yes, he's he's yeah, one of those old mainstays. He's been doing good Star Wars stuff for oh man, quite a while, a long time. Yeah, if Carlos, if you're looking for Luceno canon books, um, you've got Tarkin uh, is part of the canon, and I mean it's it's a cool story, and it takes a little while to get to where it needs to be, but like it's an it's an amazing story. But if you want to get into like some of the crazier Lucena writing, like you can get into Darth Plagueis and uh, that's, that's a hell of a ride. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do any of the, the legend stuff. But it can still be brought in. It could still be brought in. Cause if you watch that last episode, the last five minutes of the bad batch, you'll see how legends can still matter. And when it, when it becomes canon, then I care. <laughs> So you need to read all of the legends and then you can say when it does become canon, like, oh, I knew about that thing ages ago, son. Oh. Let me tell you about it. That actually happened today. We watched the last two episodes of Bad Batch, my son and I, because we had to, with all the craziness of like trying to move and all this other stuff, we haven't had the time to watch them together. And then he was like, where is that? Oh, that's Daryl. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not. That's Wayland, and that's Mount Hantis. And he was like, Oh, I have a book that explains all of it. And I'm like, no, you don't. And then he comes out with his, um, like, encyclopedia. It was uh, the the guide to the Star Wars universe that I gave him like five years ago, uh, like the second edition. And he was flips it open, and he was like, oh, look, Wayland is in here, and all oh, the Mount Tantus. So he was like, he's all caught up. He knows the things. 
about what's going on with all that stuff. So, Carlos, don't uh, don't shy away from some of the legend stuff because there's some nuggets that they're pulling into canon that um, they're going to matter later on. So, Jeru Sabayoth. <laughs> he, oh, he might just be uh, one, one of those key figures to pop up in the next uh, couple of years I, I, I mean I hope not but still did he write the Kenobi story no that was John Jackson Miller right okay like, yeah. see that that's, Which, that's uh, a legend story I feel like I could get into yeah that book I, I think I just posted it up on Twitter the other day that came out August 27th 2013 so it was what eight years ago almost to the date and uh yeah that book is um it gets into like obi-wan's early days on tatooine after revenge of the sith and the uh like transitioning into becoming old ben and uh you know kind of hiding out on the outskirts and stuff like that so yeah that, it, it's a really they've good used that to if they've if they've taken inspiration from that for the kenobi series we'll see there's got to be there's got to be some things that they pull from it i i would only hope that with things that are coming out of legends novels into new canon that the recognition goes to the authors for some of that stuff because we there was regardless of the way things happen with chuck wendig in the fandom and all of that like he deserves all the credit for creating Cobb vanth mm-hmm. and having him you know you know come into the mandalorian and stuff like that so it would be nice to see some of the authors get you know some more um some some more credit for that stuff yeah disney's not has have the best track record when it comes to treating authors completely adequately alan dean foster i think <laughs> kind of got uh kicking the pills a few months ago or last year was it yeah and, and it's that same nonsense that we were hearing about marvel a couple weeks ago too that they were you know some of the creators were only offered like x amount of money for use of their creations and then like like free passes for the movies when they come out some nonsense like that um you know that you know they just they weren't paying enough for uh use of the their you know these people's creations and yeah so disney thinking that they're all that god what a bunch of buttholes there Huge. so you guys are on board with the with my three choices so far catalyst dooku jedi lost and oh, master yeah. and apprentice those are, absolutely those are, yeah absolutely yeah not a bad one in that bunch good 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 so the, i still There's, have three credits left there's plenty of others that uh, we can talk about off mic that uh, might might do you well. But uh, yeah, th- those are some really good choices. Uh, well, I'm a fake fan, so I don't talk about Star Wars off, off the podcast. It's only on the podcast. <clears throat> All right, then I guess you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's, you know, people ask all the time, whether it's, you know, in the group or on social media, they'll say, give me suggestions for, for stuff to read. And, you know, a, the whole, a whole range of opinions pour in. But then, like, my brain thinks about like the, the sheer volume of stuff that now exists in the like the, the Disney era canon. And it, it just makes me wonder what it will be like for future generations of fans. Like the, the kids who are today still too young to really dig into the stuff. Uh, like even the ones, the kid, the fa- future fans who aren't born yet. And, you know, the ones they will grow up to be, you know, like, like canon junkies and completionists and, and, you know, like people like not not quite like me, but Rick, you read everything. Nathan and Marie read absolutely everything, and so that next generation of fans, how the hell are they going to manage? Like I, what's well, the same way? It's just kind of the same way when, you know, when canon kind of reset. You know, I mean, th- there's probably, 
I'm just shouting out a number here. There might be 50 canon books right now. And but 10 times over, that number of comics, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about individual issues, but I mean, think about everything that came out in the Legends EU days. You know, you're talking about a counter, excuse me, a couple of hundred books. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, I mean, it can be hard to to pick up somewhere, but it's it can be done if there's enough time allotted for, you know, that they're giving themselves. Like, I'm telling my son now, like, you know, all of my books, I want you to read them. You know, he's 11 years old and he's he's at the point where even some of the quote unquote like adult novels are for his his reading level. Like he can read them and he would be able to comprehend them. He's he's devouring books left and right. Um, <clears throat> so I don't again, it depends on, you know, your timing, your dedication to the, you know, to whatever. Like if you really want to know, you'll you'll find a way. I think comic books is a little is a lot harder to pick up. Because reading comic books against reading, you know, novels is is a completely different experience. Um, you know, you can you can audiobook a novel and it's anywhere from six to eighteen hours of your time. And comic books are a completely different thing. Right. So Yeah, but even then, like even if someone says, Okay, you know, they're they're 14, 15 years old, I'm getting into all this Star Wars stuff, I'm gonna catch up on all of it. Even like I, I assume stuff, new stuff will still be f- like avalanching onto their heads that they're going to try and consume that as well as try and catch up with, you know, the, the tw- 10, 20 years that have already preceded them. That's a tall order to catch up with it all. And of course they have decades to do it. So I guess it's not that big a deal, but man, it, it, I, my brain also goes to the idea of like, do they ever just start over? And just say, all right, we've had a 50-year run with this. It's time to package it all up, and we're fi- we're through. And or or is is that the reason why you set up eras like the High Republic so somebody can just say, ah, this is this is my lane when it comes to Star Wars. I'm gonna just jump into the High Republic or the Old Republic or whatever new era they eventually explore. And you know, I I, I don't know how they're gonna do it how they're going to continue to onboard people and not intimidate them in the future. But it's something I think about. <laughs> I've thought about it quite a bit too. I mean, cause you think about how, again, when things were reset, if they were trying to make movies just completely based off of what was there from the, uh, the legends books, the now legends books, you know, how do you explain the way that, you know, Chewbacca is not there or that there's, three kids in this timeline that exist and have existed without at least starting somewhere before the end point of these books, you know, you, at, you would have to have had to retcon something, you know, you have to have some kind of a starting point that presents conflict for the characters that we know. So, I mean, it's a tall order to try to get anybody to either jump in or, you know, start fresh and, I mean, this is something that we've we've been talking about now, you know, not together, but just, you know, kind of collectively in a fandom for the last eight years of, you know, why did they do it and what sense does it make? And it's, it was probably the right decision across the board to say, like, you know, we don't, those stories exist. You can read them whenever you want. And, you know, there's too much baggage that, that kind of comes along with that stuff. And that baggage still exists. I mean, we've seen it just in the last week about how, 
you know, people were complaining about Ahsoka versus Luke in some imaginary, Ugh. you know, BS because of what Dave Filoni said in the um, the gallery episode, which people completely misconstrued or or took to mean something that he didn't. He didn't say, you know, that he didn't project. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah the, the insufferability or inability of, of people to comprehend the words that are being spoken. Because I, you know, I didn't get that at all from what he said, and we'll get into the show a bit later. But then to see the explosion on Twitter of people arguing about this, I'm like, what are you arguing about? He didn't, he's not setting them up for a death match, and what he said is factually true. What are you arguing about? Idiots. God. I mean- and and again to put it in in complete context, if and you know again we'll talk about it more later. But like if, if Ahsoka had existed before the Clone Wars TV show did, I mean I mean that's kind of like the thing. Like you know she didn't exist as a character while the EU was still growing in the 1990s. So you know you're you're already at unlevel ground when it comes to you know, creative stories and licensing and stuff because she didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, we, we have Luke after return of the Jedi through all of these le- now legends books. And then this new character was created to tell a facet of the story that they felt George Lucas included that didn't exist, how she can be the embodiment of the light, how she literally absorbs the character that represents the light <laughs> yeah. in the Mortis arc. And, to say that somehow, you know, she's either better, worse, or antithetical to who Luke is, they're not. You know, this is not a versus comparison. They grew up in completely different circumstances, and they existed in completely different times. And they show their powers in completely different ways. So, And the thing about Star Wars, and I think one of the many things that makes Star Wars special is that when it comes down to it, your 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 super abilities and your uh you know your your skills with a lightsaber are the thing that matter the least like at the end of the day especially looking at return of the jedi luke doesn't win when he hacks off vader's hand he wins when he tosses the saber like that is the thing about star wars that sets it apart from superhero movies or just general action stuff is is the the skills are not the point they're fun. Yoda said it him. Yoda said it himself. Wars do not make one great. Ahsoka survived all of that stuff, but her strength was in walking away. It was her being able to say that you know you you turned your back on me first. I am not a part of this group anymore. I can do better without you, and she did. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so cool. Let's park that that little conversation about books for another time. Um, pretty official, uh, pretty dry on the official news lately. Uh, I mean, what happened last week? There was the uh, finally we got a trailer for the Skywalker Saga Lego game, which looks absolutely brilliant. If that's your thing, and and they really put everything in it, like every era of the Skywalker saga is in that game. And I, I can't wait to play it. Like, we're totally, I'm, man, 99% sure we're going to have that, that game in this house. You guys going to own that one? On Nintendo switch, then I'll probably get it. But, uh, for my, for my kids, obviously, cause I don't have, I don't, my, 
my youngest son Ryan actually brings it back and forth, his Switch, and um, that might be something that I that I get for him. But uh, it, it will be for him. Like it's not something that I see myself playing. They're so they're so addictive. The Lego games. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I think I think you're missing out if you're not playing Carlos. We, if I'm playing it like any any of the Lego games, um, we. It's because like my son wants like wants it. Like, yeah, I mean, so like we we do uh, we get into that stuff quite a bit. So I'm, I'm the the trailer looked really cool. I you know and the thing about Lego too is like they whoever's writing the Lego games they know where to insert the humor to make it more than just I'm playing the movie, which. You know, when you go back and like some of the older like tie-in video games for movies, how they all kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> talking about that Superman game, which was garbage. Um, but the Lego games are fun because they're Star Wars and because they have some license to do some other crazy wacky things. So I'm looking forward to, and the fact that this game is going to be more open world, so you can have a Luke, you know, flying a tie fighter down to Camino to have a battle with general grievous at some point. I don't know how the game's going to work, but that'd be really cool if it did. Um, but the fact that it's an open world game and like, you know, it's, it's not a game that's going to be 100% on the rails. You know, it seems like you're going to be able to do more crazy out there stuff. And I, the last Lego star Wars game that we had was um, at the time, the complete star Wars saga, which was just six movies. Um, and so I'm looking forward to this. I, I, I kind of miss the days when the Lego games just had like kind of the grunts and groans uh, and there was no dialogue. Yeah. But what they're putting into this game um, and for whatever reason, like the delays, like there's that part of me that's like, oh man, like a, this game was supposed to come out last year. And now I'm looking at it more like, well, they're really trying their best to make it like kind of the most fun experience for us. So like, I'm kind of, more on board with the fact that it's being delayed for another what six eight months from now and we don't even have a firm date yet yeah after all this they still can't give us a firm date. i think they said march <laughs> could it be um yeah well something yeah maybe maybe march but like this this game... it just said it just said spring 22 yeah i don't know maybe i read somewhere march spring starts in march but not not in Canada, Rick. Uh, spring only starts in June. So spring starts the week of our birthdays, Kyle. Not when the <laughs> other guy's birthday happens. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean this game is it's it's been an oddity. You know, it was announced such a long time ago, and then they you know October twenty twenty is when it was supposed to come out, and it was they 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 had released a video where I guess somebody pulled the trigger too quick on a video and it said October 2020 at the end. And then just as quickly as it went up, that video disappeared. And then like a little while later, that same video popped back up, but <laughs> the release date was gone. <laughs> they just snipped that part out. And then there was like these long stretches, months would go by and like we'd get nothing on the game. No news, no release dates, nothing until this week. And, and you know, they still can't be specific with it. So I, I think until it's on shelves or we hear that it's actually shipping, I, I'm going to be nervous. But I do want to play it. It's it, it looks happen. so fun. I mean, there hasn't been a Lego Star Wars game since 
with the Force Awakens. And for that game, what Daisy Ridley provided a voice and you know, they they put some stuff into that game, but yeah, I mean I, I mean I don't know. We ha- yeah, we have that game I'm, here and it's pretty fun, but it's it it's I mean it's it's limited, right? Cuz it's it's just confined to one movie. Actually, that's not true. The first you the first couple levels are the end of Return of the Jedi. So you do like the Battle of Endor and you do a couple of you, you do v- Luke and Vader against Palpatine in, in the throne room and you blow up the Death Star as Lando with the Falcon. But that that was to that was to remind the fans that Luke throws away the lightsaber so that when the inevitable last Jedi game was going to come out oh boy and the game starts with him throwing a lightsaber <laughs> yada 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 happy birthday Carlos <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other moving on. Uh, the only other thing that I think would qualify as news this week <laughs> is a bold claim from Robert Rodriguez. Do you guys see this? Yeah. I. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to say he's speaking out of turn, but I mean, what director wouldn't be kind of hyping up their own work? Um, I, I have never seen this sort of bravado from someone in the creator space before. Like, Carlos, did you hear the quote? I didn't hear the quote. Okay. Hit me with Ooh. it. Okay. This, this, is, this is something. This is... This is uh, putting your cards on the table so to speak he said he was talking to collider and he said i can't say anything about it at all right now but it's coming out in december wait till you see what's coming oh yes i did see the quote i'm sorry i'm an idiot it's the wine (laughs) go ahead no but there's maybe somebody out there who hasn't heard it so he, he continued it's going to blow your mind that's all i can say I can talk it up all I want because I know it over delivers. It way over delivers. People are going to be so pumped when they see it. I don't like hearing this. Yep. Ugh. 100% agree, man. 100% agree. Why say I that? Did... <clears throat> I, I I read the thing and I was I was all about to like share like screen, you know what I mean like how, like people do screen grabs of the text and I was like Oh, and then it was like, no, I no, because when you, you put so much, I, listen, as a creator, you, I, I would imagine he feels so passionately about what he's doing for the show. And I do not blame him at all for feeling like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's your baby. That's the thing. That's, that's what you're doing. You want that thing to shine. But then what happens is you set these expectations and then. It can still be good. It can be great. It can exist on this great level. But because of these words, it might not be above that great level. So like people would be like, well, yeah, okay, well, he said all these things and it would it was cool, but that's all it was. And then it sets up, you know, people's thinking for like, well, it wasn't what he said it was. And I I I don't I, I don't like hearing those words. Like you said, Carlos, like it's not <sighs> like you're, you're putting too much hype behind it. And I get it. People love Boba Fett. People want to hear these stories. I'm sure what they're doing in the volume and what they're doing with the story is probably really cool. But uh, I just, yeah. I mean, is, is it code? I don't, is there a, 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 you know, if he at all, gauged audience reaction on his episode 
from season two where Boba Fett just goes to town on a bunch of hapless stormtroopers. Do you think he's just speaking to those people saying this? Is it code for this? It's super badass. And they're like, Boba Fett's going to wreck a lot of fools. Or Carlos, you, you go first. Oh man. Okay. This is loaded. So you're asking. No, I no, you're loaded, sir. Mr. Six glasses of wine. Seven. Well, oh. like, uh, Seven now. Yeah, I'm finished. The bottle's done now. Um, so, so okay, just repeat repeat the question exactly so I can answer it properly. Uh, in short, is what he's saying, just, you know, taking what he saw of the reaction of the episode that he, he directed from season two. Hmm. And you know, which people loved to see Boba Fett just bashing stormtroopers. Is he just is that code for this? Ep- the show is super badass, and Boba Fett's just going to smash up a lot of people. Oh, is it cool, man? That's tough. Um, I don't know if it's code for that. I, all I know is that he's he's definitely excited about what he produced. So that's great. I get it. I completely understand. I feel that way too sometimes when I leave the studio. It's like, oh my God, I can't wait till people hear it. But the thing is, is that once it leaves your hands, you have no control over what anybody feels. So you're, 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 I wouldn't say setting yourself up for this disappointment, but there's a chance that not everyone's going to see it the way you see it. And putting all those cards out on the table that way is extremely, extremely scary from the standpoint of, of a creator. Like, why would you put yourself in a situation where you're going to build up the expectations and then not deliver on that? Yeah. Cause I mean, the expectations were already there. Star Wars fans already expect a lot from this show and he just, took those expectations and ratcheted them up to 10 and yeah, beyond. That, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Because already already with, with Star Wars, the expectations are already there. Not only expectations of how good it's going to be, but expectations of what people want to see. And that's, which and is that's it. Because like, crazy, right? Fa- that, that Just that is crazy. That's uh, 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 the craziest part of fandom is that people expect to see certain things uh, because yeah. they've built up their headcanon for God knows how long. And it's it's unfair to put that that pressure onto the creators. But then when the creator puts his foot in his mouth or makes makes a statement that way, all you're doing is you're literally drying out the field. And what ends up happening is that inadvertently a spark could light that whole thing on fire. Yeah, because I mean, like, f- fandom is so fragmented, right? Like. It- People yeah. come to Star Wars for so many different reasons now. And are you going to... Like, every everybody from those different segments of fandom looking for different things from these stories is reading that one statement and expecting the show to scratch that itch. Somebody's exactly. going to be left disappointed. They're, somebody's not going to get what they want from Star Wars. I would have to think. Or maybe he's just directly speaking to... You know the noisy section of fandom, and his his goal was to keep those people quiet. There is no not noisy <laughs> section of fandom. 
I mean, let's just be honest. Everybody, somebody says one thing and then somebody else says something louder. And then that's how this stupid, all of you are stupid fandom <laughs> exists. You know, I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Listen about Robert Rodriguez in this show. His episode from Mandalorian season two, um, the tragedy, if I'm remembering correctly, you are correct. The episode where, yeah, I, that was, you remember when there was like that, um, that way to rank the episodes where you basically like vote for one against the other and it, it produced the list for you, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. So the tragedy was at, was the bottom of my list based on all of that and being able to speak to it now, like the story of that episode, I think was, was, was cool. I liked it. Um, RIP the other uh, Razor Crest, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Haslab, and but I, I don't like. I did not like the way that episode looked. Um, it kind of had like some weird kind of frame rate stuff where like the, uh, like the fight scenes were happening where like the the speed changed in the way the the fr- like the film ran or something it just it looked weird to me at the time and, and i just remember thinking like uh, well it didn't feel like it fit in with the rest of the episodes like visually stylistically and now we know that that episode was being filmed at the same time that the other uh, finale was being uh, filmed in the volume so that's kind of why they did it outside maybe um but uh that said i again like for, to have somebody come in and just be like this I've basically said like I've never done anything better. Star Wars fans have never seen anything like this. It's gonna blow your mind. You never seen nothing. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, listen, from my own opinion, based on the one thing that I saw that you did, I'm kinda like, well, okay, I'm ready to be dazzled, but the thing that I saw last time, while it looked cool, it wasn't like my favorite thing. So But you know, I'll, 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 yeah, there is that rumor that circulated this past week from from uh, LRM about the, another bounty hunter, particular uh, possibly joining the cast of that show. And if if that happens, Rick, I think you are going to you're going to be pretty happy. I think even if it's just you know six episodes of that guy sitting on his uh, vac tube. All right, so I'm going to come out and say it. But I do want to give a little spoiler warning for anybody who wants to come into this show kind of fresh. All right. So maybe jump ahead a few minutes. Kyle, if you want to put in timestamps, I'm not trying to make you do extra work or anything. But I mean, for anybody who doesn't want to know, um, LRM online, uh, Latina Review put a story out a couple of days ago. uh, Basically saying that there would be another bounty hunter in the show and that here here's your jump point if you haven't already that cad bane would be making an appearance in the show now i am taking this as nothing more than a rumor at this point um i shared it in the spoiler group that we have for tumbling Sabers on facebook people get in these groups this is where like all the fun stuff happens it's not on twitter it's not on your tiktoks or none of that bs it's in these groups on the facebook so if cad bane's coming into the show which from my part would be goddamn amazing because I mean, that's one of my two dudes, you know, Cad Bane and Mieber Gascon. And I mean, I, I don't even joke about those two. Like those are my guys. Um, I would love to see it. I don't know how they're going to do it. If they have like body double kind of like uh, 
you know, doing like motion capture scans or anything if they have somebody in a suit and then they kind of like, you know, I have them with like the like blue socks on their arms and you know what I mean? Like to, to where they can make them look thinner than they are or whatever. But again, I'm taking that all as pure rumor at this point until we see otherwise. My fear with Cad Bane coming into the show, and I told you kind of like, you know, I'm afraid that if he comes into the show, this is, he's going to die. I'm afraid that, you know, Boba Fett's going to kill him. And there's a part of me that's like, man, I don't want that. Like, Cad Bane is my, that's my dude. Like, baddest Duros besides, or I should say, along with Shriv. Like, two of the baddest characters in all of Star Wars. And like, I don't want to see him die. Um, But I would kind of almost maybe like a half a percent of my body would be like, oh, he's dying in live action against Boba Fett. Like, oh, yeah, what if he kills Boba cool. Fett? Oh, I'm 100% on board. 100% shooting <laughs> nine times. He's got a ding on his helmet, a ding on his crotch. Give him seven more in both of those areas. Whatever, shoot a leg off. I don't care. Boba Fett, but then what if, he's a punk compared to campaign. Go ahead. Okay, so. What if Fennec Shen fin- then finishes her job and takes out Cad? Well, you know what? So long as Boba Fett is dead first, and uh, Taro Calican has been long dead, buried in the sands of Tatooine. <sighs> I'm okay with it. And and I need to say this out loud. My friends at Children of the Watch, one of the other shows that I've done in the past, Alex Maxwell on that show talks about how Taro Calican bested Fennec Shand at one point. And she, at one point, bested Cad Bane. So by his logic... Toro Calican is better than Cad Bane. And I will not hear this nonsense. Not on my friend Carlos Candido's birthday. I will not hear that nonsense. Ever. That's more of, of that button pushing. There, there's no way you can say that with a straight face. I'm sorry. I don't know how anybody can say Toro Calican with a straight face. His own face wasn't straight while he lived. He struggled, man. And now he's, and now, now he's dead. He said some dumb shit after he dead, died, <laughs> and now he's dead. You know what killed him? Death the killed him. The death killed him. <laughs> death killed him to the death. And good on him. Looks good on him. How is Stu? Is Stu good? I'm worried about Stu. He's gonna. He's he's gonna make it. I hope so. I love Stu. Happy fifty first, Stu. It's coming up, isn't it? It passed. <laughs> Remember his 50th birthday? That was a good time. It was a good time. It was a great time. A great time was had by all. I I barely remember it. Happy 52nd, Stu. It's coming. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Preemptive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I'm okay. In the end, like, Robert Rodriguez can say what he wants. He's He is an accomplished dude. He knows what he's doing. It's. I like the confidence, but if if it boils down to he made some cool action, there's going to be a lot of upset people. Like there's got to be some cool story beats in this. There's got to be some really interesting canon events that take place in this book that that set something up or redefine something for that era. All right, so I'm going to jump in, Kyle. I'm going to ask you as host of the show. What do you think is going to happen in this show? I have no idea, man. Like it's it's Well, that it, sucks for you, hashtag fake fan. Carlos, <laughs> what do you think is gonna happen in this show? 
I have no idea. What do you think? Oh my god! I save listen, us, America. I, I have heard this this idea. I cannot claim it for myself, but it's from a fellow American, my friend Luke Cruiser on the Bad Motivators. He said basically that what if what if Boba Fett takes this seat from Bib Fortuna, hashtag Big Fortuna, and he's actually kind of holding true to his code that we saw in Mandalorian uh, Mandalorian season two. And he's kind of like doing away with some of the heads of the bosses that have already existed. Like cleaning up the underworld? Kind of. Or taking and it so over. So he will go out. Maybe he's just getting rid of all of them and he's just going to be the dude. We don't know. He's not working for the empire. He's not working for anybody, but what if he's just like, yo, listen, a word for you, big dude threw me in a hole, or he's responsible for that, and everybody else, all of these other syndicates, because we're seeing this kind of stuff too happen in the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, maybe may possibly spoilers for you know anybody who isn't reading the comics, Kyle, and <laughs> you know you're seeing how Java kind—he's not, of course, he's not on the up and up. He's a—he's—he's he's a gangster, and so maybe Boba is like, I mean, did he, did he want to be in that life? I mean, really like, let's go back to the early days of what we saw for him and Django. Like Django taught him a code. He taught him a way to exist. And Django, yes, of course he was a bounty hunter, but the only things that we have of Boba young are what we saw in the clone wars with or Singh and that story arc. And I think there was maybe one issue of the, uh, Age of Republic comic books where he was young and there was kind of like a botched um, uh, a bounty that happened where Django was sent out to do a thing and it, it was he was supposed to capture this woman and her husband got involved whatever and he killed one and then the other one had to die it was a whole thing drama ensued but we've seen from Boba especially in Mandalorian season 2 that he's got this code of honor like where you know, he told Din Djarin, I'm going to help you until like you get this kid back. And then I'm, I'm off to do my own thing. Like I owe this debt to you. So maybe like this change of heart for him, you know, is, you know, maybe now he's off to do this thing and take down some of these other heads of this, uh, this underground, which <sighs> throwing a stone in the dark here. Like maybe this is how we get some of that, uh, crimson dawn, crimson rain, cure stuff that's happening with the comic books i mean you know a lot of that stuff is in between episodes five and six who's to say kira is not still involved and this is how we get some of that hashtag make solo to happen stuff with kira after the return of the jedi era and boba's involved and uh she'll turn it back or something i don't know yeah i feel like there could be like two plot lines and that could be one of them that could be like sort of the uh, sort of like the front burner thing, but in the background and the thing that would build is the thing that all the Star Wars things are seemingly are building towards, which it, it seems to be taking place on Mount Tantus and is going to filter all the way up into this gap between episode six and seven. And I, I think I, at one point I'd mentioned in the Facebook group, I think talking with Nathan, that I, I do believe at some point Boba Fett Omega will meet probably in animation, but maybe also in 
in live action. And maybe they both take on a mission to say, you know what, we're, we're sick and tired of uh, the Empire using our likeness, starting with you know our genetic father, Django, and using it for ill. So we're going to go and dismantle this Empire, whatever the Palpatine is still up to with cloning, we're going to go and mess it up for him. And it could be a muddy victory because you know, he, he Palpatine does kind of linger and come back somehow. Um, but it's not totally successful because he, he ends up with these half-assed, you know, strand casts and uh, bodies that were not able to contain dark side power. And maybe that's not solely because they couldn't figure it out, but because Boba Fett and Omega were like, enough. Uh, you're, not, you're not doing this anymore. And, they, you know, they take a little slice of... Uh, and all, maybe, like, everybody, from Ezra to, like, right through the right right through the saga, everybody takes a little bite from Palpatine's plan to the point where it's, it, just, it just falls short. And I wonder if Omega and Boba Fett team up and take their slice in the form of derailing the cloning program just enough so that Palpatine never quite figures out how to make a proper clone of himself. And I don't know if that's enough to justify all the stuff that they're doing. You know, Rangers of the Old Republic and, and whatever the culminating live action series is. It could be something in that vein. I, I, it wouldn't shock me. Because like, we, we know that they're going to deal with sequel era stuff at some point. Well, it seems like right now, if they're pointing to anything, it's Thrawn. And as much as I'm on board with Thrawn, because he's another one of my favorite char- you know, characters, um, it's kind of how they implement his story. You know, we had his inclusion in Rebels, the name drop in The Mandalorian, this Maltantis Wayland thing uh, coming up at the end of uh, Bad Batch. And that one episode of Mandalorian season two, again, where he was name dropped, where, you know, we get the uh, the one kind of droid guard that has the uh, seventh fleet insignia mm-hmm. and what's ha- and what's happening on that planet. That's uh, uh, Corvus, I believe. And something is going on with this character. You know, they we kind of know that what's happening with the TV shows post return of the Jedi, they're, they're leading up to this, this kind of Avengers style event. And if Thrawn is the kind of big bad behind all of it, um, it only makes sense for them to bring in, you know, like stuff from legends to make him that much more of a palpable kind of enemy. So whether or not he's, he himself is doing cloning stuff like we see in the end of bad batch, or he's building this other fleet like we see in the old legends books in uh, dark force rising um, uh, or just the name drop in and of itself where he's just kind of this uh, Imperial holdout uh, back from the unknown regions. And he's kind of the catalyst for what's going on with the, uh, the final order years later in, uh, in the rise of Skywalker it seems like the Thrawn is kind of a linchpin character for a lot of what's happening in the new canon. And I've enjoyed a lot of what's going on with him. It's really hard to say um, 
like on the surface what's relevant because like i'm the kind of person like what with, with star wars lately that like i don't i don't want to be a part of a story where i feel like i've wasted time and i kind of felt that way with the bad batch where you 16 episodes of the show kind of felt too long um, but the things that felt like the most relevant that are leading up to things that uh, are connecting to the larger story, like you could have kind of, you could have shaved down a lot of the stuff in the first season. And if this throng connection is something that's uh, like a viable uh, a bridge to future storytelling, I don't know. It just seems like 12 of the 16 episodes didn't really need to happen. Um and I, I don't say that to be super harsh on the show because I, I kind of liked it, um, but it was far from my favorite Star Wars stuff. Um, but for anybody who's kind of reading up on on whatever's going on with Thrawn, like you know, pay that extra little bit of attention because there's something happening there behind the scenes that I kind of feel like they're they're telling us like this stuff is going to come to fruition, whether it's through um, this Mandalorian universe of stories or what's going on with the book of boba fett um i i who knows i and and i mean we still have another thrawn book coming out this fall that maybe might answer some other questions even though that's in, that's the third of the uh uh kind of Ascendancy. like uh, the yeah that's like the, the yeah but it's kind of like the the third of the unknown regions trilogy of, right. of, um, of his stories but but still like there's they seem to be leaning really heavily on the old legend stuff as opposed to what they're doing with thrawn right now yeah it's really interesting because he is a flip-flopper like we know that he's the type of guy that who, who he doesn't necessarily love the empire he just loves to win he wants to back the winner and support the people the side that he believes is going to win and so you know he, he had his program with the TIE Defenders, Tarkin had his, and Tarkin won. Um, Thrawn probably then backed another dog. You know, maybe that's, and maybe that became dark side cloning or whatever it is. Maybe he got into that at some point and said, no, nah, you know, this, this is the thing I'm going to get into now. <clears throat> like a weird speculator. Well, it, but that's the whole thing. Like seeing Montantis and Waylon, like I, just, I was telling my son earlier, he was like, he was like, yeah, but like Thrawn does this stuff and the Tide Defenders and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, okay, but let's talk about these other books and how this might figure in with this cloned uh, Jedi, uh, Jorah Sabaoth, Jorua Sabaoth, after he's cloned. Um, we never got any solid answers on the Project Harvester stuff from Clone Wars and Rebels. You know, they were, they were picking up these... Uh, for sensitive kids and we never heard anything about what happened to them afterwards so there's this possibility that you know this this is not a brand new story for them to bring into or i should say this isn't a brand new thread for them to bring into star wars animation right. or star wars style, uh, storytelling um this is a way for them to kind of finish it because there's still that 19 year gap between the end of bad batch and where you know, a, a new hole picks up where in even a longer stretch of time where may, it, it could take them that long to perfect, you know, what, how do you clone 
for sensitive people. I mean, they have it, it. It seems apparent that they haven't been able to do that by the time of the Mandalorian. Um, That's why they still want. And they're trying. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, no, interesting stuff, man. Um, and I guess this that's a, it's a good segue because we can, you know, looking at The Mandalorian and that side of, of Disney Plus and even at Bad Batch, and it's all, like, there, there's there's a, a, a scent coming off all of these shows and they're all going that way. And uh, so let's, let's drift our way into the Disney Gallery Mandalorian uh, special look at the finale for season two. Ugh. Oh, this thing was just giving me life. Carlos, it's been a while since we heard from you. Did you take this show in? What did you think? I loved it, man. Huh. It was good. Both episodes, like, obviously the second episode was a little bit more special because they really dived into that last that last episode of the season two. But just, uh, first of all, seeing old Billy Redface get interviewed was incredible. And... Um, <laughs> So you dove yeah. into episode one and two from for, for season two. Yeah, for sure. I watched both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. watched both of uh, both of those, and uh, I like them both, man. It's just exciting to see them talk about like Ahsoka's fighting style, and um, I, I found that incredible, and just the excitement from Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Rick Famuyuma, and. Um, even Robert Rodriguez bringing his guitar on set, like that was like, that was so cool to me. It's like, yeah, I could do, I, I see that, I could see it. Uh, so I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed both episodes. Uh, was anything groundbreaking? No, not really. But at the same time, like it's still fun. It's still fun to watch. Um, but the the last episode, like episode two, when they talked about the last. You know the last episode of season two. Wow, that was that was special, man. There was something about that that really, really did it for me. Yeah, it it really did me in. <laughs> How about you, Rick? Um, because of that episode, the the uh, the finale episode. Uh, I feel like I feel justified in being the voice deep fake for Corey for this episode. Uh. Uh, it's all been building to this, so folks. Corey <laughs> found his way to be loopholed into this episode through deep fake me. Anyway, um, no, like this episode, um, I watched it Wednesday morning before work. And it was one of those where, like, I went to bed Tuesday night. I, for anybody who doesn't know, like, I get up really early for work. I, I'm usually up and out of the house by 4.30 in the morning uh, to get to work. And I woke up maybe a half an hour earlier so I can get to where I need to be so I can sit in the car and watch it on my phone just to have that time. And um, here I am watching this episode on my phone. And, of course, it's... It's one of those things where, like, you get emotional watching uh, certain things within storytelling. And one of the things for me that has been the most powerful within Star Wars storytelling is Luke's journey. And we've talked about this before, Kyle, and I've talked about this with a few other people 
um, and on uh, Jam Transmissions. But <clears throat> Luke's story at the end of Return of the Jedi like really hits me like with a like a a, a damned sledgehammer, and to see the way Mark Hamill felt about Luke after all these years and knowing that he may have had a little bit of disappointment with the way things were uh, written for his character for the last Jedi. Um, to see how we felt about being Luke quote unquote in his prime. Um, I don't necessarily equate with prime with being part of your youth, but when you're at your best and I feel that Luke was at his best when in the last Jedi, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but to see how excited that he was and to see the things that they captured of him uh, in his, in his own backyard. Yeah. You know, they, they, <laughs> they drove to his house and brought a costume and had, you know, Grogu there. And he was he, like telling his wife, like, Hey, what do you think? I'm about to do my thing. And she was like, cool, babe, just make sure the check is signed. And, um, it was, I, I didn't get like super emotional during the show at all. Cause I, you would, I never, I don't think I ever really did. Like even going back to like when, like when we were kids and we would see like the old, uh, like CBS specials of the behind the scenes stuff or, you know, whatever we saw, um, that, you know, way back then, but it wasn't until, um, John Favreau started talking or, or when Dave Filoni tells, uh, John Favreau, you know, if you want Luke, um, you're going to get R2-D2 because they're like, they're a pair. And John Favreau seemed to be like a little bit unprepared for it. Yeah. Until he saw him like stroll out on the set. And for me personally, watching that episode uh, last year in December or whenever it was, um, that was the moment for me. Like, yes, Luke is there. He's wrecking shop. He's doing his thing. But the moment that R2 rolled up was like. That's that's the figurative cherry on top that just puts you over the edge. Yeah. That was like, what's up, kids? I'm here. Now it's a real party. And I'm saying this with the biggest grin on my face. But I, you guys can't see it. But like, I have the biggest smile on my face because like R2 and Luke are such this inseparable pair for original trilogy people um because you know the people kids like might have seen anakin and r2 together um but there's something about that that stretch of time for me where luke and r2 in my imagination weren't together because of the gap between you know uh return of the jedi until whatever afterwards um, but to hear John Favreau talk about that, like, and then R2D2 rolled up, and that's what got me. And I couldn't really explain it. And neither could he. It just took me back for a second. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I commented on it, like, just on Twitter, like, just, I don't know if I can explain it really well either, except to say that it just, it brought me back to a point where, um, some of that magic was real. You know what I mean? Like uh, just, I remember where I was the first time I saw return of the Jedi. I remember the day back in 1983, 
in that theater in River Oaks in Calumet City, Illinois, watching Return of the Jedi for the first time and multiple times over the course of that spring and summer. Um, and all the baggage that comes with it because my dad passed away a couple months later. We've, we've, we've talked about this, how much that movie matters because of all of the real life circumstance. And to hear a creator um, kind of try to put into words exactly what I felt then and how I still feel now about um, this on his own inanimate object. Um, man, did it punch me square in the goddamn heart. And it was one of those things that like, again, couldn't even explain it in the moment. But to see that little sketch of R2-D2 and Grogu that Dave Filoni did, just it just melted a part of my soul a little bit because it was, it's so simple, but it was beautiful and it, it was, it, it was fun and it brought me back and it just, it carried so much weight, but still showed so much levity in the same way that it's one of those things that when they happen within star Wars, um, they seem to make the most sense. The things that don't make sense, make the most sense. You know, like you're in it, you're not a part of it. You're, you're experiencing a thing, but you didn't create it. All of these things about what, what makes storytelling powerful for me existed in the, those couple of sentences where, where John Favreau said, I can't explain this thing, but here's what happened. It, it was amazing. I, I, don't, I don't know any other way to, to say it. Well, yeah, like the, the, in that scene, they take you through this whole thing with Luke, who's like, you know, the, the hero of an entire generation of Star Wars fans. And you go through that and you're like, I need a cigarette. Like that, and you're like, you're teared up and you can't believe what you've just watched after all this time. And you're just like, what could be better than this? And then R2 rolls in and you're like, oh my God. And you, yeah, you go to it. Just it's another level higher, and it's that thing that Dave Filoni said, where Star Wars is supposed to leave you with a good feeling, and that that moment, that scene, is the good moment scene, the good feeling scene for me in the last eight years of Star Wars, or whatever it is, six years of Star Wars, and it's not close. It's it, you know, I, I talked a lot about Star Wars soup <laughs> in in the last uh, few months as Bad Batch played out. And sometimes it's not good soup. Sometimes it's it's undercooked. But this is just like the best Star Wars soup. It's the best ingredients coming together in the best way. And I, I told my wife prior to watching, and I said to her, like, if you see me tearing up during this, just just hand me the box of tissues over there. And you know, she chuckled. But you know, then there was instances in the show where the crew were getting choked up and they were feeling the weight and trying to describe the weight of responsibility for handling this this episode and this scene in particular. And then, you know, when Favreau himself, he, he almost got speechless uh, in that trying to describe what it was like to, you know, when R2 got on set and she's like, oh, like, it, it like the emotion of it became all the more real for her. To like my, my stupid husband's getting all excited and, and sappy over a stupid kids movie. <laughs> oh, but so is John Favreau and he made it. So like, there's something very like they're just, it's magical and unique. Like that after all this time, they can still 
eviscerate us that way. You know, and I, I was just so I was so overjoyed with the scene, with and and this episode just like Favreau justified the whole thing, like his his reaction when he you know he's he's trying to describe how it feels and he's just trying to do right by the story and the franchise and the fans, and he's getting choked up about it. I'm like yeah, man, like that's my dude right there. He's he he's he's got my full support. I'm right there with him. And uh, you know, right off the top of the episode, he comes in with like with the other <laughs> good slobber knocker for some people, giving Kathleen Kennedy props for being you know a great producer and giving creative people the space they need so that and and to make it exciting for them to create. And I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> the thing about that part that I really liked was the fact that he described what it is that she does. Mm-hmm. That he was like. A good producer finds the way for you to do the things that you want to do. She's not, she is not a creator. She's not the one who is approving ideas. Cause I've had these arguments with people. I've had these conversations with people no, we all have. at my comic book shop in the, you know, just whatever. She is saying, listen, this is what you want to do. The story group is approving of it or somebody else is approving of it. Here's the check. Make it work. She is responsible for the volume. She signed the checks for that. I was about to swear for that stuff. She she, she makes the she makes the gears turn. Yeah, I mean you can not it, listen. There are so many ways for people to be upset about things that are happening within Star Wars. There could be story beats that you don't like. There can be things about certain characters that you don't like. But that doesn't mean that you get to criticize a single person while also praise that single person in the same breath. Yeah, Whoever that is. Because I'm seeing things too where people are saying Filoniverse. No, the Filoniverse does not exist. That is discrediting everybody else who is creating with Dave Filoni. Like there is no such thing. Like this whole umbrella that is Star Wars is created by multitudes of people. And whether that be the president of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, or some random Foley artist whose name nobody will ever know in the public sphere, they are all responsible for the things that you love and possibly the things that you don't love. But there are thousands of people who are creating this thing that we all get to experience together. And we all take what we like from it or what we don't like from it. And we get to have shows like this and talk to people about the things that we love and don't love and have all of these conversations. And I'm so sick and tired of people who want to cherry pick these bullshit ideas about how they want to be right about things because they feel that everybody else is wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, no, I, I just, haven't seen I, it yet. I, I, it's going to happen where somebody who wa- who watched this episode with their eyes and listened with their ears, but I don't know if their brain picked up any of it. Because at some point very soon, somebody is going to say that she Kathleen ruined the sequels, but gets no credit for the 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 Mandalorian. She didn't touch that. She had no it's, say. Kyle, it's been happening for the last couple of years. Oh, right. How no, people but are I mean, like... 
But do- Kathleen Kennedy ruined Star Wars, but the Mandalorian's great because Favreau and Filoni. And it's like, no, I mean, I've had this talks at my comic book shop with my comic book dude, who I think is a good guy. He's reasonable. We've talked about this stuff. And I'm like, no, you cannot criticize her for the movies that you don't like. But then sit there in the same breath and talk about the TV shows that you do. She is responsible for those two. No, yeah, I mean, what, what I, what I mean it. is that, like, in in this episode of Gallery, like you said, Rick, Favreau kind of spelled out what it is that she does, and that's sort of been nebulous to this point. So I can't. I want to see the person who now comes along and says, "Well, she she's barred from the set." Favreau and Filoni have barred her from the set, which is ridiculous because there are pictures of her on set. And she yeah, well, signs that, their that's check. Because of, that, that's because of some dumb stuff that uh, a certain red-nosed reindeer had <laughs> to put out ages ago. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's so stupid to me. Like He's, he's t- telling you what, how important she is to the process and what she does. And some idiot is still going to come along and say, oh, he had to say that about his boss. No, he didn't. I'm I'm sorry to have to keep cutting in, but like to hear, like when you see people, the voices that are like challenging against it, who have the smallest connection to anything that's happening within movie production or TV production. You know what I mean? Like these are people that like you, you had a blog 20 years ago. And now you got a verified check on Twitter and people believe you, you know, you're still, (laughs) you're still a blogger, you know, like, I'm sorry, but there are things that personally, I'm going to say this straight up. There are things that I see in Star Wars that I don't like. The Bad Batch is not one of my favorite things. I'm cool with not liking this show. It was fine. My son loves it and I'm happy for him, but you know what I'm not doing? I'm not bashing you know jennifer corbett and brad Rao on twitter because of the things that i don't like you know what i'm doing i am praising the kind of brothers and the animators for the things that they're doing because the show looks beautiful it looks great i'm just not down with the story you know what i mean yeah, i am not sure. filled with so much hate that i cannot look beyond the fact that i'm not going to say kathleen kennedy hates animation <laughs> she hates pencils you know what i mean like it's the dumbest shit so she hates puppies and I'm not, that's what i heard and i'm and i'm certainly not going to do that on carlos candido's birthday i mean how <laughs> dare i check out his patreon it's amazing but what i'm saying is it don't do that it, go to apple music it, nope yeah do that too but what i'm saying is like what this show, what the, the the gallery episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 did was like it showed the process and how much everybody cared to bring this one character to life in this story. And more importantly, how they found this character to feel relevant to this time within the overall story uh, for Star Wars. Um, because Dave Filoni even says, he's like, you know, who would we believe? is the most caring person to respond. And they went in this whole thing to bring in Plo Koon uh, <laughs> as kind of like a secret, like, like a cold word, gag. Yeah, essentially. Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was the most beautiful thing. Even to the point where they had, you know, essentially Luke on screen, but with like Plo Koon's 
CG head uh, over it. And yeah, concept art and computer models of, of Plo Koon just, just to sell yeah. sell the idea to – and that's to sell the idea to this like staff so that they don't kind of catch wind of what's going on. Yeah, but crazy. how dumb and are they even, to know that Plo Koon's not already dead? Like, well, even even Dave even Dave Filoni said he goes the fans know that I that he's my favorite Jedi, so they wouldn't even have questioned it. Yeah, no, I would have questioned. How does that make any sense? Well, he's also how the guy do, that brought back do, that brought back Maul cut in half. Yeah, how does anybody make sense? We didn't see him die. He, mm, we saw a fireball, point. and then he was off screen. You know what? I'll give it to you, man. I'll give it to you. It's my birthday. You know what? I'm magnanimous like that. I'll give it to you. You don't have to give it to me. Give it to Dave Filoni. I don't give anything to Dave Filoni. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I dare. Cor- That's how. If Corey, if Corey was here. Who's that? He'd already be crying. Who? I don't know. <laughs> what are we talking about? I have no idea. But this this podcast has been going swimmingly. <laughs> how's Stu? Anybody checked up on Stu? I love Stu. He's, he's still doing all right. He's he's hanging nice. in nice. an hour and a half into this I podcast, so. and I, I think so. he's I think he's enjoying himself. Perfect. Um, but oh, so if if I could chime in like just for a second about the whole like what they did to uh, I'm using like loose air quotes here like DH Mark Hamill because there was that whole thing where like John Favreau uh, like he went into this like uh, he was talking about the like the whole fake thing. And they were talking about how they wanted to make like a younger Luke. And it wasn't just, uh, well, we could have de-aged him. We could have deep faked him. Uh, but uh, we went down this other route. And they, they, they found a way to do it um, because there was something where they felt like there was almost like a code of ethics that they needed to, to um, adhere to. And this whole, you know, in a couple of years, like we may never, we might not be able to, to tell the difference between what's a deep fake and, um, you know, actual footage. And part of me almost thinks like that's, there were a lot of complaints about like, you know, well, it looks like Luke, but it's not, we know it's not really Yeah, it was, it was kind of janky. Um, but it seemed to me like they almost made the conscious decision to make it look like 95% Luke. Um, as like an actual choice you know what i mean like you know they could have done it like they had the technology even though they said like well the technology for the time in 2019 said that we could they didn't almost seem to me like you know they had what they needed to do like they were talking about like the millions of stills of of uh mark hamill's face in the movies and the raw adr stuff and uh interviews that's that they could have made it look all so crazy to me yeah it's 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 bonkers when he saw all of that side by side of um, the actor that they had uh, play Mark, uh, Luke, uh, you know, it, uh, in costume, um, what they had for Mark Hamill actually on the set. And then all of those like thousands and thousands of images like scrolling as the thing is is happening on these other screens. It's like. Oh my God, it, it was blowing my mind just to see like the technological side of it. And it was the same way, like, you know, going back to like the early, you know, 1983, 1984 behind the scenes stuff that, you know, used to be on like PBS or whatever of, you know, how they made the monsters work and Jabba and Salacious Crumb and the, 
the you know pillow water from tv land that you know salacious crumbs <laughs> like all of that stuff the most famous like what we suffer like creature designs um and to see the the technical aspect of that application um and then again it almost seemed like they just they pulled back just a little bit to say like we don't want to be the first people to really make it look so photorealistic that you can't tell yeah like they almost knew that they had every ability to do so but then john favreau said like yeah but the ethics aren't cool and i don't know if i want to do this and he just pulled back just at like five percent yeah and yeah it felt like they wanted to have as much mark in there as reasonably possible until the point until they don't have to anymore and you know, they, they hired lucasfilm hired another notorious deepfake artist from youtube he's got a youtube channel i think yeah and, chinook but but they hired him afterwards right but the fact to me the fact that they hired him now it's still it to me it points to the fact that they're they're still investigating deep fake and they're going to use it at some point like i'm i am 100 percent convinced that at some point they're going to update that effect and it's just going to be a deep fake mark hamill like this well, li- listen this version is going to live for a I, while but at some point down the line they're they're going to switch it i have an exclusive <gasps> there you I haven't, I haven't i haven't told anybody lucasfilm hired chinook to uh to DH Carlos Candido for his next album cover. <laughs> it's it's called color adjustment, dude. It's already in process. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to say that much. I'm I'm just saying they're they're gonna make you look um, 42 again. Nice. That's all I can ask for. Not a it's day over. Not a me. not a day over 42. <laughs> Literally, you're Literally, not. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I that actually really jumped out to me, um, I think Peyton Reed said it, is you know they're talking about the weight of responsibility of using the Luke character, and you know being careful because it's really easy to let Luke overshadow everything, and I, I, I right away like I, I thought about the Michael Arndt thing when he was first writing Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and he's and he mm-hmm. like he, I think it's in the the. Uh, Art of the Force Awakens book as well, where he said, like, every time I tried to bring Luke in, he took over. And it's like, yeah, I, I bet, because he's the answer to everybody's problems. And so it's a very fine line to walk. And they, I think, you know, they must have discussed it ad nauseum. I think uh, Filoni said it, like, what's the right amount of Luke? You know, and, and I, I'm so glad that, you know, they, Filoni and Favreau were on the same page that Luke was the right pick. But, but uh, Filoni, he also said that if John wanted Luke and Dave disagreed, eh, John would have respected that choice and they would have worked it out. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I wonder when, when those type of, of creative decisions kind of butt heads, you know, collaboration aside, they're a great team. Somebody has to swing the hammer on that kind of call. Like if Dave said, "Nah, you can't do Luke, man. It 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 doesn't work," but John said, "I really like the whole. I wrote this whole season with this in mind. I want Luke. How does that play out? I mean, I, we don't have to reenact it, but well, that's that's kind of the weirdest thing is that it seemed like they had the idea for Luke at the end of season two, 
before the beginning of season one. And everything that we had been told previous was that the uh, the idea for season two had been in flux up until season two had started. And this behind the scenes documentary, whatever, you know, told us that they went to Mark Hamill's house and showed him uh, episode one before it aired. And that was when Mark was like, okay, these guys are kind of taking proper precautions to make sure that things aren't getting out. And of course, you know, Mark Hamill, you know, when he's presented the idea to play Luke, he's going to jump on board because I mean, that's his dude. But um, John Favreau wrote uh, the last episode for season two. And he, again, going back, like when you look at, at like past interviews, it almost seemed like, you know, he was telling people like, well, we're like, we were changing ideas all the time. And of course, that's the perfect thing to do while the show was still in the process because you don't want to like tell people what well, now we know that this was a long standing idea that they went to Mark Hamill's house at around the same time that the rise of Skywalker was, you know, debuting mm -hmm. and just coming into theaters. Um, and, you know, Mark wasn't at any of the red carpet premieres. He, he wasn't doing any of that stuff. And this was also at the same time that he, that Robert Rodriguez was filming in the canyons out outside of LA um, so that they could have the, um, the, the, the space to do the stuff in the volume. So it's, you got to look at the, what they're doing to like create the secrecy around the show and like the reverence that they're giving to it. And I, like, I love the fact that even Peyton Reed was like, this is the dude. I, and the, uh, the, they locked a guy in a room. From they months. locked a guy in I, a room. <laughs> I, I I can't remember the guy's name, but like they locked this dude in a room for months. So sort of like, hey, listen, here's 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 what you get to work with. You can't tell anybody about it, but this is what you're gonna do. And everybody was so afraid to use the the two words Luke Skywalker that everybody was staying Plocoon for eighteen months. And even now they're like, I don't I don't even know if we can say Luke Skywalker, but it's been out for a year almost. Um. And I kind of love that about the show that the creators, like they hold these creative decisions in so much reverence um, because it mattered to the story more than anything else. They could have thrown in Luke at any point and be like, well, here's Luke Skywalker. He's just the dude and he's just around, but they made it fit within the confines of the story so that us as the viewers would believe that, our main characters, especially within Din Djarin, um, would have enough trust to hand off this precious million-dollar commodity uh, in Grogu to another person. You know what I mean? This is your your cash cow for the post sequel era Star Wars right now. Yeah, is this this little green creature? And for Mark Hamill to say. I'm the only person that has any experience with this whole species. I never thought about that. I was like, well, shit, he's right. Excuse me, but like, he's right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you wouldn't, I, I, it would have made sense to have anybody, you could have had any, any other Jedi come in. Yeah, of course. But what was the most impactful thing for the story? 
it's well, yeah it's funny because five years after return the jedi so we talked about it like previous to that episode coming out who's it gonna be who do you think and ah i can't be luke that's too much and you know cal kestis or oh, quinlan voss is he gonna show up you think about that now if they had done that even like oh cool quinlan voss is now in the, in on the board but nothing nothing would have hit the way luke did nothing I mean, even if they had done Ahsoka, because, you know, she had shown up, what, four episodes prior. I think that would have been almost disappointing because we'd already met her. Yeah, exactly. She And again, and that points to her having walked away from the Order previous. She is not that authority. She is not. She learned to walk away from that responsibility. She knows who she is. She's not this pinnacle light character, she knew who she was. She knew that the responsibility had to fall on somebody else. She stood by the wayside. She is like the watcher in the MCU. She knows what she's done. She doesn't need to be there. She knows about Luke at this point. She has to know about Luke. Is she smarter than him or better than him? Yeah, she'd kick his ass all up and down the field. She's stronger than him. She's a chop rule with a Z with a hate department. Yeah, (laughs) chop rules. She would body slam German suplexes all up and down the galaxy, knocking Luke out. Luke's a chump, but we trust him as a babysitter. (laughs) Damn right. Um, You know, watching this whole thing, and Filoni mentions how they had this very careful, drawn-out discussion. Okay, is it going to be Luke? Okay, it's going to be Luke. How is it going to be Luke? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, God damn, like, these people are getting paid to have these conversations for real. Like, they're not just on a podcast. What if? What if? Blah, 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 blah. They are, they're, you know, paychecks on the line kind of thing. Let's make this I lo- happen. I lo- it's like, what a, what a thing to be a part of. It's incredible. I love that the, like, fake script that they wrote for Plo Koon was him and the description was like, it's Plo Koon, and he's not dead. And then his first spoken line is, which one of you is Grogu? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just the dumbest line of like, what? Can you imagine him like walking in on like Ahsoka's village, wherever she lived, and was like, <laughs> kicks the door down and was like, which one of you is Ahsoka? And, the, you know, there's every possibility that Plo Koon knows Grogu. Which would have, yeah, what if I mean, the, if, he, if he's hanging around the, the Jedi Temple, then, you know, you would see him, right? He could have he he been his master. Who knows? That, that, that's a, what if I he's thought the they could have connected. He, he brought him on. Grogu was in the back of Plo Koon's Jedi Starfighter. They got shot down. And Grogu, the, the thing crashed, but Grogu survived. You know, they they crashed on a sponge planet of Cato Nemordia. <laughs> sponge. We don't know what Cato Nemordia looks like. All that business down there, we don't know nothing about yeah, that. Yeah, but nothing that happens on Cato Nemordia counts. It doesn't count. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It's all spongy and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. a couple of times in the documentary, they talked about this the idea of, of paying off wish fulfillment. And like they specifically use those words, wish fulfillment. And it's it it stuck at a strange use to me because like we always go like, ah, 
creators don't care. Like, they tell the story they want to tell and, you know, fan fulfillment or wish fulfillment be damned. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, too bad. But I think it's it's another one of those loaded terms um, that if you wanted to, you could take it out of context or take it off on a tangent. and, And, like, they care about giving the fans what they want. And I... It's a fine line, right? Where to pander to what the fans want, but also to give it to them when it's appropriate. And I have no idea how to straddle that line, but they're aware of it at least. And I think John Favreau is particularly uh, aware of of that line and wants to give fans what they want, but only when it's needed. I don't see. I don't know if. John Favreau, I don't know if he really cares about fans. I I think he's more concerned about telling the best story that he can tell. And that's something that he's done consistently for, I don't know, what, 30 years of his own movies. He makes movies and, you know, tells stories that he wants to tell. Uh, To the point where, you know, he makes Ed Asner the head elf in... Elf, yeah. uh, R.I.P. Ed Asner. He's ninety-one years old. He passed away today. But uh, I, I again, I, I don't know how much some of these creators are that concerned about the responsibility to the fans. They can say so, um, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how much of that is responsible for good storytelling. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you were so worried about, I, I, excuse me, the rise of Skywalker is is the direct response to I need to please everybody. And it didn't, it didn't, it just didn't, you know what I mean? Like I, I have no problems with the movie. I mean, it is what it is, but when you try to cram in too much stuff, it it's, you know, Spider-Man three, you can't, you can't appease everybody by thinking that, well, I know what the fans want. You know, like if you, if you have a story to tell, tell the story. It either lands or it doesn't. And I think what John Favreau has been doing, especially within the TV space of Star Wars, is just giving us kind of cool stories. You know, he's he told us from before the time that the Mandalorian season one came out that he was taking his toys out of the toy box and telling stories with you know his three and three quarters. And we grew up doing that kind of stuff. You know, our imaginations ran wild. And if what he's telling, you know, for story for stories in the Mandalorian are still following that kind of model for him, then good for him. You know, he he's doing something that, that's connecting with people. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that he's not connecting with. Um, but we're just not hearing from them. Because maybe they're more sane than the <laughs> knuckleheads on on you know social media that hate stuff. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I, I, I just took a lot of what he said as, again, not not coded statements, but I think he he was sort of very obliquely referencing fandom in a lot of the things that he said. Like he he, he talked about like the river of, of feedback that you you can choose to dip into, like as if he knows what goes on <laughs> in that river, and I think he's selective about when and how he he takes the temperature of fandom. He might have filters. Well, he, he might have people feeding the info. He's but also, I, yeah, he, he's very aware of it. You know, we heard him say that, you know, that 
Mark Hamill got a, like videos of your know, fan reactions to the last episode. Yeah. So, you know, of course they're, they're worried about the feedback, you know, to an extent. I, I don't think they're worried about it so much as far as um, changing things up, you know, as the creation of the story is happening. No, I don't. I don't think he takes like okay. What's the number one things fan, fans want? Oh, over like a, a kick-ass Luke. Okay, now I'm gonna build around Mara that. Jade, biggest biggest boobs. Mara Jade. That's yeah, what so the fans want. I don't think that they start from that point of let's take the thing that fans want and then build the story around it. I think they they tell the story and, that's, and then work and that's in. where John Favreau. That's where that's where he's failing. Oh. Real fans want gigantic boobed Mara Jade. Well, if you follow the uh, you, the cowboy you, bebop, if you're following Twitter, the cowboy yeah, bebop discourse. Twitter, oof, that was rough this week. My God. Yeah. And oh, how dare you? How dare you change a costume of a fictional character? <laughs> calm down, cowboy bebop fans. Calm down. <laughs> Seriously, calm down. Jesus, let your imaginations work. <laughs> I'm saying happy birthday to you. <laughs> Carlos, open that happy birthday card you got. Which one? You know the, the one. Oh, this one? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That was fun. <laughs> Can't wait till uh, that battery dies and then this just becomes useless. Oh, it take, it's going to take a while. That You'd be surprised how long that battery lasts. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, nice. They last a while. You're going to hear that song just really, really slow for the last time. <laughs> you know what? I, I, well, I think we're going to wrap it up in just a second here. But like one of the things that I thought were, I don't know if he was being hyperbolic, but he talked about the reactions to this episode being the high point of his whole career. Now, I don't know if that's just blowing sunshine our way. Or if it's just, he was just so glad that the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people shared the same excitement and catharsis and uh, excitement that he felt making it. But I don't know, like, uh, like he's had a pretty great career. Like, and, and the re- You're talking about Mark Hamill, correct? Uh, Favreau. Favreau at the end, he, he like specifically said that like the reactions were the high point of his career. I was like, "What? Are you serious?" Well, I I guess it kind of only makes sense, you know, if Star Wars was the kind of catalyst for him to want to pursue a more creative career. I mean, it's kind of a full circle thing, I guess. And I mean, what? I, I'm not trying to discredit or anything, but what else is he working on right now besides what's happening with Star Wars and The Mandalorian? I I'm I don't I I honestly don't know what he has on the works after this. Well, I you know I have been banging the drum for a long long time. You know, one of the episodes way back I think the, again the week before he was announced to be helming uh, the Mandalorian, I was like I want John Favreau in Star Wars. Bring this man in. So I still take credit for him being in Star Wars. Uh, I, and I'm just going to keep doubling down. And you know this is my microphone. I do the edit on this thing. So I'm going to keep saying it, but I 100% believe that whenever Kathleen Kennedy is done, John Favreau's the guy. He needs to take over. And I, and I'll just, 
He knows the industry inside out. He can tell a story. Uh, he, he can write. He can act. He can direct. He knows everybody's role on a set inside out. He can talk to all these people, get them to buy in. Uh, and he's he, now he's like a, like a spearhead figure in, in pushing visual effects, which has always been a, a Star Wars calling card. Like, the guy gets it top to bottom and on his watch the the two biggest surprises of new star wars have happened you know they 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 protected grogu's reveal and they've protected luke so when the situation calls for it he can get people to buy into what he's selling keep the secret for you know for for us to con- who, who consume it um yeah, man, like he he just he just knows. And, and personally, like there's there's like I think an authenticity and, and earnestness to this guy that I think makes him accessible to fans, uh, for his staff and the people that make the shows. I think they all kind of would run through a wall for the guy, and you 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 can't sway me otherwise. So don't try. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go ahead and play Darth Maul's advocate here and be like, well, listen, I mean, he didn't, he couldn't protect Boba Fett, Tamar Morrison. He couldn't, you know, hide the fact that Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson was a thing. Bo-Katan, you know, he couldn't, uh, listen, I'm not trying to discredit the guy. He's, he's, he's done pretty well for himself as far as, you know, him being the future head of Lucasfilm. Hey, you know what? That'd be nice. That that would be really nice for him. You know, I, I'll buy him a bag of you know Tim Hortons, whatever garbage you guys are selling. But I'd be I'd be all on board with that. But do, the bigger question is, would he want that? Well, and that's, I think that's, that's it. Yeah, I, I I think a guy like John Favreau, um, his imagination on his own is bigger than what um, Lucasfilm may be offering you know, in that kind of mind space, because he's not, he's not a, an executive producer in the same way that Kathleen Kennedy is. He, he's a storyteller. He's a creator in the way that, that she's not, I love what he's doing. And I love the 40 some odd years of what she's done. I just don't think that they exist in the same creative world. No, the um, role would be, would be and, like if, if, if John Favreau were ever president of Lucasfilm, it would be in a different capacity than what Kathleen Kennedy does, I think. And, I think a lot of the administrative stuff, a lot of the, I, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I think a lot of stuff would be relegated or delegated to other people. And he would be more hands-on in a Kevin Feige type way. And over like overseeing Listen, a lot more I, of the creative. I don't know who that is, but I think that Kevin Feige, Fije, I've heard um, that that's the guy you said. I think he's just a guy who um, he's read a couple of comic books. John Favreau is a guy who understands not only Star Wars culture, he understands um, Las Vegas culture. Vegas! He also understands. He also understands uh, what's going on uh, with the native regions of the North Pole. Um, he's been telling those stories for a little while. Um, he gets people. He gets real people. Well, like, elves. You know, with, with Elf, he, he's like, I want, I want to make a classic Christmas movie, and he does. Like Elf is an instant. I think you I, I think, I, I think you're taking it way too seriously. 
Kyle. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. He understands cultures. You ever picked a piece of gum off the street from New York? It's no, delicious. No. Carlos knows. Kyle, <laughs> you don't know you don't know anything about culture. <laughs> Until you picked a piece of gum off the street in New York City. It's been there for days, possibly weeks. How dare you? Wow. Happy happy birthday, Carlos. How's Stu right. doing? Has right. anybody Stu. checked on him? <laughs> How's Stu? Are you drunker than me? What the hell's going on here? No, I'm just concerned about my friends. Oh, that's sweet. I am. I don't care you, that it's your good, birthday. Man. I don't care about your birthday anymore. Is it past your is it is it eleven o'clock? No, we got another hour. No, it is eleven o'clock. I for me, in like the real time zone, not your fake time zone. Real <laughs> time zone. <laughs> well, I think um I, Anything else you guys want to put out there that makes sense? No, we're sense? good, man. <laughs> no, we're, let, we're let's, rag, let's rag on fake stuff for a little while. Oh, my God. This hey, you crazy. asked me to be a part of this thing. And you I have been. Like <laughs> no, though, seriously, though, I, I, I completely loved every second of this episode. Totally. Yeah, I'm, We had that episode one that dropped earlier this year or after i don't know when it came out but we watched it and we're like ah we didn't get anything on the finale well of course we didn't they didn't document any of that for secrecy purposes oops they documented it at length and what a gift like i i was completely caught off guard when they made the announcement that we were getting this because i thought we were we're never unless they talk about it we're never really going to get in depth in this and we got 45 minutes of it and it, it's been it's been the highlight of my star wars year so far nice content wise it's just been it was fantastic and it was just i mean it so wasn't uh, it wasn't the bad batch episode five or six with moochie oh, that wasn't your high point no that was not that uh no no uh, it was for a lot of people hashtag fake fan I'm glad. I'm so glad we got Moochie in 2021 in these hard times. Anyway, thanks Star Wars for Moochie. Really <laughs> turned my Star Wars fandom around. Look, I, I like I like Star Wars when it gets weird, and everybody's gonna have their own take on what weird Star Wars is. And they they took a swing at weird Star Wars with uh with uh. You know you know what's weird you know what's weird in Star Wars. The two greatest characters in Star Wars, Cad Bane and Mieber Gascon. Because you know what? Neither one of those two characters should make sense. They just shouldn't. You got the tiniest character who turns out to be the prototypical hero that George Lucas himself loved. And I happen to love too. Being George Lucas, we are about to go in this whole thing. We're buds. George Lucas, give me a call. Let's talk about Mieber Gascon for hours. And Cat Bane is a cowboy in space with blue eyes, uh, blue skin and red eyes. He's the most absurd thing that borders on that absurdity. But we love him so much because um, he's Cad Bane. He's I, I, a space you know, cowboy. I, I want to say that I love Cad Bane, but I feel like with you here, I can't say that. I don't want to hear your opinions. This is about me right now. So I'm talking about Cad Bane. And the thing about Cad Bane is that he's a cowboy in space. And I was really hoping. And hate me all you want. Hit me up at Chop Rules at a Z. 
I was hoping that he would have killed Hunter back in episode six of uh, Bad Batch. It would, it would have made so much more sense for um, Cad Bane, just because I love Cad Bane and I need no other reason besides. Uh, you know, that. we're, we're going to have uh, to get a doll and say, and Rick, show us on the doll where the Bad Batch hurt you. Because, man, you just keep going back to that show and how you hate it, but I kind of like it, but really, I no, hate it. it. It's it's not that I hate it. It's just that I I, I kind of I really don't care about the characters of the show, <laughs> except for Crosshair. Crosshair's the real hero. Do you guys wait? No, I'm he's a turd. He's a turd. Oh, you know what? I I don't know what turd means in Canadian, but uh, turd in in American means hero. And um, we're we're we have Clearly. fields of turds. <laughs> we have fields of turds in America, and uh, they're some of the best uh, turds. And um, none of them wear masks. That's all I got to say about the turds in America. They're some of the best. And <laughs> the listen, Iowa crosshair. Don't don't mess with crosshair. I've been saying it for months. That's the dude. He's a standout. Tell me, Kyle, when he shot the thing down in the water, did you not think that he was going to kill somebody? But no, he saved. He saved people. I don't know why he saved that damn droid, but he did. That droid was worthless. Easy three, whatever. Mini Baymax. I don't even know what that is. Should have just let him sink. Omega, kind of cool. Whatever. Crosshair's the hero. Hashtag, there goes my hero. <laughs> Nandi and, and Foo Fighters playing the drums. Did together. you see that? That was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, man. That was great. Imagine Shout out to 11... uh, Heroes on... Yeah, shout out to Chicago Heroes Naked Ray Gun for uh, giving uh, Dave Grohl the inspiration to be in a band. So, friends of mine, Naked Ray Gun. There you go. 11 years old, gets yeah. it on stage and, and wraps up Everlong with Foo Fighters. That's when I, kills it. When, kills completely it. Completely kills it. When, when I was 11, um, I also played drums with uh, Foo Fighters back in uh, 1989. That makes no sense. But it's all good, man. You know what? It does because like multiverse is a thing and um, Mortis, oh whatever. World Who are you? Like this is this has been just a stream of consciousness nonsense from you so far. No, 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 no. All of it. I, I'm. Just, I, this is all the greatest hits for Carlos's birthday because I love Carlos and I kind of hate him at the same time. <laughs> the same way I feel about the bad batch. Carlos, you're my bad batch, and I love you and I hate you because you're stupid, but you're the smartest guy that I. Know. <laughs> you know what? I could be so stupid. It's all good, man. <laughs> You got it right. Hey, listen, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't need to be right when I'm wrong. Things are right when they're wrong and also because they're right. So it's all good. Wow. Okay. My head hurts. I that's, don't know what that meant. That's the seven glasses of wine wearing off. <laughs> I'm not even the one drinking wine. I've been drinking Kool-Aid and vodka. Yeah, you're probably drinking. Yeah, I was going to say no. Kool-Aid. I need some jungle juice. Get out of here. White claws, no laws. Jesus. I'm sorry. Orange claws, no laws. That's a, that's a shout out to Bosk. Bosk. Terrible. Okay. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I'm going to have to put this thing to bed. That's, that, that's enough. <laughs> Stu, I hope this helped your recovery process and not hindered it. Uh, but again, Chop Rules with a Z is the complaint department. And uh, I'm sure that inbox is filling up as we speak. 
It's okay. Nobody's gonna get to it, anyways. <laughs> Everybody checked out after three three minutes of this episode. Oh boy, really? Damn it! I try no, so hard. I don't think so. But we'll know. We'll know. All right. Well, um, if you want to catch up with us, all three of us are in the Tumbling Saber Facebook group, which Rick really wants you to come and join. So please, I do. I please. Really do. Give him his wish fulfillment to come join us in this Facebook group and join the conversations and uh, have have a bunch of fun. It's it's not it's not the Twitter cesspool. There's no, you're not going to find idiots rat, prattling on about how Ahsoka could never beat Luke. No. Hey, listen, don't make grandiose statements, okay? We don't know what's going to happen in the group. It's nothing like this episode that you just listened to. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh god you're if you, if you have any questions for the podcast tumbling saber at gmail.com uh we will definitely get them into an upcoming episode um but that's gonna do it um carlos yeah where, where do where do people find you and your endeavors outside of the facebook group <laughs> you can find me oh you can find me at uh okay see candido music on uh, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, or uh, Carlos Candido, or Carlos Candido Music on Facebook, CarlosCandido.com. Uh, you can check me out on Spotify and on Apple Music and iTunes, and uh, follow me there because apparently that hurt that like kind of helps. Uh, if you want to like stream my music, that's that's cool too, uh, and it, it also uh, you know gets you uh, on the ground floor from when I do drop new music. Y- you know, you don't have to do anything. It's gonna, it's just gonna pop up in your in your feed. So that's nice too. Uh, so check it out: Spotify, uh, Apple Music, iTunes, Carlos Candido. Just give me a follow there. I'd really, really appreciate it. And I'm uh, dropping uh, an Indiegogo uh, for the pre-order of the album uh, this week. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's, I'm going to be dropping it on the website and on all the social medias. So uh, yeah, uh, if. Uh, Time to uh, time to uh, you know uh, lock in your your copy of that vinyl and t-shirts and 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 little you know nice trucker hats and stuff some cool stuff we're gonna be we're gonna be producing so stay tuned for that stuff. It, it well sadly though it doesn't ship to Michigan, so I will literally ship it myself <laughs> with my with my with my employee discount from the company that I work for. So uh, if anybody in Michigan or in Illinois. Wants to uh, oh, wants to order oh, it. Oh man, that that hurt to hear that. <laughs> what Illinois? <laughs> you know what? I'll say it the right way. Illinois. All right, because it's a French word. All right, you understand? Illinois. You know there what? It is. I- I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But, okay, good. But God, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm done. Um. All right, Rick. Where where would you like people to find you? Um, completely ignoring uh, C. Candido music or uh, that uh, funny Carlos, the funny whatever. He's not. He's not that funny, guys. If you've been listening to this episode, he's he's really not. Uh, you can find me <sighs> regretting ever coming on to this episode. <laughs> it, was, it was not a good idea. Uh, listen, you if, love if you it. You talk, love every goddamn. No, this, no, no, this no, no, has no, been no. the don't, best thing. Listen, the best thing that's happened to you in the whole week. Just because you're in Canada doesn't mean you get to interrupt me, sir. <laughs> Sorry, a. 
God. <laughs> Anything else you want to get out before I continue with more important things, Kyle? <laughs> I'm going to get on my moose and go uh, clip cloppity down to downtown Canada. Well, send you a, a, yeah, a downtown Canada is pretty rough uh, this time of year with your clippity cloppities and your, your moosity boppities. Whatever. Anyway, friends, uh, listen, you can find me on Twitter if you want at Cad Bane's Bounty. Uh, you can also find me once in a while um, talking on some podcasts. Uh, we have uh, the uh, Jam Transmissions. That's a thing still. We're still on a break. Things are happening. Uh, things are shaking and moving over there. And uh, in the next, I don't know, maybe a month or so, things are going to pick up again. And you can also find me recording um high republic reviews for children of the watch and you can find some brand new merch for children of the watch on their website keepthewatch.com we got some pretty cool shirts over there um i get zero money from that um because uh they don't like minorities and that's just how it works uh, for white for white people so um got some pretty cool stuff <laughs> but uh other than that any complaints about this episode or any others for this show or jam transmissions or children of the watch uh can be directed at chop room let's see that's zed, it zed i guess zed. Uh, thank you, you and i yeah whatever now uh, kneel before zed uh people say i've heard um but uh yeah that's uh that's about uh, that's about it. I'm just gonna keep saying little words that don't make any sense, because um, I'm just here for um, you know, I, I'm I'm worried about I'm 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 worried about Stu. Is Stu okay? Anybody talk to Stu? <laughs> that's my guy, man. When's the last time you talked to Stu, Carlos? Uh, Realistically, a couple of months ago, actually. Uh, I I don't believe you. I don't believe it's you. It's been a while, Stu. I I listen. I I was thinking about Stu about five minutes ago. And um, that's more than you've done in the last five minutes. Wow. Okay. I like Stu. I, I like Stu too, but uh, I don't have to like be so overt about it to try to like compensate for the fact that I probably don't really like him. So like, you know, I don't know what you're doing here. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know who I'm concerned about? I, and I, I need to be straight about this. We, oh, we talked about this before the mics or not. It, it's Kigo. I want to know, it, is Kigo okay? Because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk to him like you guys do. Kegel's fine. He's just upside down right now. It's all good, man. He's always all right, well, okay. Kegel, Kegel can he he can eat shit? I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> Wombat guana. <laughs> any any other of our good friends you'd like to besmirch while we, while you're here, Rick? Bumblebee tuna. I, I listen. If Troy the boy is not into Shazam two, uh, then there's no hope for guys like Troy. It was the best DC movie ever because everything else that DC put out, it, it, it's all hot garbage. <laughs> now, now he's trashing franchises and walking out the door. Wow. No. Well, yeah. yeah I'm, 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 is, is, your, is your can of kerosene empty yet, Rick? Do you have any more matches uh, to flick? What, what else you got? Rick is the flamethrower of the Star Wars Commonwealth. <laughs> what else you got? That's about it, man. That's about it. I'm, I'm, oh, you know what? I I, I do, do want to say this in, in all sincerity in like one of the high spots for the comedy. Yeah, people are really going to take happy, your sincerity at, at face value at this no, point. No, no. I, 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 mean, I mean this. Happy, happy 300th episode 
to um, the guys at uh, Gen X Wing. Absolutely. That's actually nice. Yeah, I mean, That's nice of you. I- I'm happy you brought that up. And you know what? It was so cool that they did two episodes for the 300th. And they, they brought- did the one and then they and then they did the whole trivia thing. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to listen to. And it's always, I always like when they have Allie on. It brings a different dynamic to the show. Yeah, because there, there's a girl. Is that it, Rick? Is that is that is that? You <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of dudes on that show. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you were here to figure that out for me. My God, that now it's all been worth it. <laughs> hey, listen, if you, if if you're afraid to tell the truth, again, guys, uh, you, all your comments, chop rules of the sea. All right, everybody, thank you for spending your time with us. Um, we're actually. Get your fill in now. Enjoy these. The, the, we're now on like minute 16 of me trying to put a pin in this stupid thing. But enjoy it because you, we're not here next week. I, I, I am, I am I, off I, next week. I'm I, out. I really, I really hope you hit the record button earlier. Oh, God, me too. Imagine. Wow. It's happened. Happy birthday. It has. It has happened. It has. Not Well, not. it hasn't happened in about four plus years where I realized that. How's oh, Grant? How's Grabs doing? Is he okay? I mean, I haven't heard from him either. Talk about a guy who's always okay. Rab, Grabs is money in the bank. <laughs> Talk to Grabs all the time. He's 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 wonderful. Great dude. Yeah. All right, guys. That's it. Goodbye. We are out of here. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Be safe. And, and may the force be I like Sonny, too. Is Sonny good? Sonny. <laughs> Your voice is saying